The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to a very somber Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host, Preston Ellis. Today, we're back with the OGs. First up, editor-in-chief to thebirdrights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. Have you recovered from last night's activities yet, Ali? Yeah, I'm fine. I didn't, I didn't lose my mind after last night's loss, simply because it just felt like it was going to happen. <laughs> so I'm, I'm good. What about you, Preston? Let me ask you this before we move on to, to Kevin. Which loss was more painful, the Thunder or the Bucks? Oh, that Bucks game, man. That, that just killed me yesterday. Are you kidding? Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Oh, they made so many mistakes. I mean, everything went Denver's way for them to win that game. And uh, it happened. So, yeah, that, that's the most disturbing thing. Yeah, I, I was watching it too. I think it was an eight-point lead with something like a minute and a half left, and I went ahead and preemptively posted, well, with everything that's gone wrong today, at least the Pelicans still have a two-game lead, but <laughs> there goes that. And what um, did you tweet at me? Real quick, what did you tweet at me? Games in hand or something, right? Oh, my God. I wish I could take it back. That's one of those things that you're like, maybe I should delete this before he has a chance to see it. <laughs> uh, let's let's bring on now the prince of the portico, Mr. Kevin Berrios. Have, have you heard from uh, those bachelor party guys that you uh insisted go attend uh, a pelicans game since last night's lost i mean no way i would give those guys my contact information <laughs> I, I didn't want, i didn't tell them what section i was sitting in i was like yeah go sit over that way i don't want to do that you <laughs> smart guy of course you guys can follow them at ali cosell and at kevin b for bounce uh this one's a, a tough one just because it's a pivotal a pivotal one and ali's doing a write-up on a story right now uh, uh, uh 
I guess uh, mostly about the negativity, where where to point the blame. It could go anywhere from turnovers, Anthony Davis, Alvin Gentry, Drew Holiday, uh, just the, the, the team coming out uh, lacking enthusiasm or having too much uh, enthusiasm in it leading to miscues. There's a bevy of things uh, that we could attribute it to. Last night, specifically, the offensive turnovers, uh, rebounding as a whole. Uh, Oklahoma City had 10 more than the Pelicans. But uh, the, the story that I want to focus on right now is the, the precipice that the offense has fallen off of. For a while, we were attributing it to the three games missed by Rajon Rondo. And of course, they've played some, some pretty good defenses in the past four games, excluding Cleveland, of course. What do you attribute most of this to, Ali? Tired legs, Preston. Tired minds, tired legs. Um, and you're right. It is directly, you can see it all in the offensive numbers in the piece I'm writing. And I'm about 300 words in. I'm, I've come across some crazy numbers. It's not only that the Pelicans can't make a shot. You know, everybody's looking and seeing Nikola Miritich go 0 for 5, 1 for 7, whatever. And they're just simply saying, you know, the new guy's not hitting shots. Or maybe AD slipped a little bit. But in fact, it's the whole team has just simply like hit air brakes, you know, like saying the movie Top Gun and everybody else is flying by us. They're not scoring points, Preston. They're not getting open shots and they're not moving the ball. Like, for instance, I've found that they're averaging about 45 passes less since their win streak. Before that, they were up in around 315 or so range for the entire year. Passes per game. Now they're down around 270. So it's everything. I mean, I, I can, I can, you know, rattle off 10 million stats to you that I've come across, but it's all going to be in the article. So we'll, we'll wait for that. All right, Kevin, that's a pretty good act to follow. Uh, one one thing that I wanted to bring up specifically, and obviously I, I got into a big rant about wanting Omeka Okafor to get some more minutes, and I understand both sides of the argument, but one thing that you can't argue is that Steven Adams was killing us on the boards, uh, specifically offensively. He had two in the second quarter, four in the third quarter, and he had one in the ultimate quarter, seven overall for the game. And while the, the second chance points was just a difference of eight to six, uh, as, as a whole, these extra possessions and extra shots, the Thunder shot uh, far more poorly than the Pelicans did. They, they shot something like 42 and uh, 29% from three-point range, but they just had more opportunities. And obviously turnovers are a large part of that. What did you specifically think, Kevin, of Alvin Gentry's um, idea, I guess, to, to propose Darius Miller being one-on-one with Steven Adams for a large portion of the game? Yeah, I mean, I didn't like that either. Um, I just think while Okafor didn't have, especially in the second half, he didn't look very good when he was out there. Um, but for the most part, since he's been here, he's been a solid player. And I just feel like it is an article that I'm trying to work on right now as well about uh, lineups and lack of rebounding in lineups and how rebounding is sort of the forgotten stat, it seems, for this coaching staff. And um, I think just by having Okafor out there, it just changes the different matchups that you have. And I think the lineups that we put out there sometimes are struggling because of the matchups they're facing. I mean, if you had Okafor out there, then Anthony Davis could guard, you know, Carmelo Anthony, and then you could have Etwan Moore on um, on either Westbrook or or take Etwan Moore out and have Darius Miller on on somebody or Solomon Hill on Paul George and and Drew Holiday on on Westbrook. You know, like it just changes who everybody has to match up against, and it it works better. Aside from just the rebounding, I think it would translate throughout the defensive front, also help in rebounding. And then also, you know, he can set screens to help shooters get cleaner looks, um, those kind of things. And also it keeps a guy like Miritich off the court for a while who's not contributing offensively and not helping that much defensively last night. Um, 
So there's a lot of things that I question about that game. And also, like, down the stretch in the fourth quarter, I mean, Ian Clark was having a great game and one of the few Pelicans who was actually having a great game. For, I mean, he had a couple of miscues, but for the most part, he was a solid player. He was hitting shots, and he's sitting on the bench down the stretch. I was, I was like, they announced him as sixth man of the game, and he's sitting on the bench with two minutes left in, uh, in a close game. And, and it's like, this is the only way he can get his name called. And then finally they put him in, but at that point it was kind of – too too little, too late. Um, so there's a lot of weird rotation things, and I just think there's been a lot of weird rotation things throughout this recent stretch of games that don't, haven't made much sense to me. Um, so that's something I want to look at and also focus on mainly that rebounding aspect, but also how it translates defensively. I thought, you know, last night they should have started Solomon Hill um, and either put Etwan on the bench or or Rondo on the bench to come off um, because of the, those matchups. You know, Paul George is a great player, and you know you have a guy like Carmelo who you have to worry about, and you have have a guy like uh, Westbrook who you need to have somebody like Drew or Solomon on to to slow him down, and um, that would have really helped out. And you know, everybody started off, both teams started off very sluggish in that game, a lot of miscues early on, but. You know, if we could have stopped Paul George from getting hot, then possibly, you know, this is a different game. It was a five-point game. You know, little tweaks here and there could have won it for you. Yeah, Paul George as a whole, I think, was only 9 of 24. But you're absolutely right. Whenever I watched him, I thought he popped uh, off the screen. I think he had 15 points in the first quarter alone, uh, keeping the Thunder in that one um, until they had the opportunity to to pull away late. Uh, with Russell Westbrook going to the bench early, I think with uh, with two or three fouls or something, he went to the bench early in the first quarter, something like six minutes. He usually plays out the whole first quarter. So that was that was a break for the Thunder. And before we get to Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, Ali, I definitely want to focus on them for a large portion of time. I want to I want to keep on these role players because these rotations uh, have been changing on a game in game out basis. And uh, obviously, the Pelicans played pretty well defensively last night. Uh, like I said, they kept them to forty two and. 29% from two and from three. And for, for a large portion of the time, only gave up 42 second uh, our paint points in the paint, I should say, which uh, sounds like a lot, but it's actually down from the Thunder's average. They're a team that likes to live in the paint. Uh, so the Pelicans did a pretty good job defensively, but offensively, uh, you're absolutely right, Kevin. Everybody was struggling pretty much across the board with the exception of Czech Diallo and Ian Clark. And I don't know how much stock you put into positive uh, minus numbers. Uh, it's a statistic that's on every single box score. So it's something that I pay a lot of attention to. Darius Miller hasn't had a positive, uh, positive net rating since back on March 7th. So, and he's been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of time lately, averaging around 27 minutes per game in the past month. Ali, what are, what are some things that you're skeptical about rotation wise? I see check Diallo got only seven minutes last night. And every time he, he comes onto the floor, it seems like he gives them a burst of energy, but uh, still he's being outplayed by guys like Meritish and Miller. That's probably my biggest pet peeve is the fact that Diallo, I mean, I don't understand why he only got seven minutes. He makes a mistake or two, it seems like, and then he pays for it in following games without getting enough minutes from uh Alvin Gentry, and I don't understand why, simply because he is by far and away our biggest energy spark plug. And I don't know, Preston, how many times have we talked about Diallo this year, and especially of late, talking about what a spark he's been, uh, been one of the leaders of that the reserves who have suddenly had a nice, remarkable turnaround, or they were having one until this recent losing streak, where they were contributing a lot of points, doing a lot of things out there in the court to take a lot of pressure off the starters. Um, since that, you know, that 10-game win streak, 
you know, it's kind of gone downhill for everybody. So it just, you, you wonder what's the rationale for, you know, limiting Diallo. Um, I thought he would have been a good matchup for yesterday's purposes. You know, you needed to get some easy points. And I always talk about this and yet he just doesn't get the playing time. The Pelicans seem to not get to all those easy baskets anymore. So I, I just, yeah, I don't get it. But besides Diallo, yeah, you hit a big one. Darius Miller, he's uh, he hasn't been good for the most part for a while now. He Sure, he'll drop a few shots, but if he's not giving you that, he's really just not giving you anything out on the court. He's uh, he's a defensive liability. He doesn't help on the rebounding. And uh, in general, he his playmaking is very sparse. You get, you know, like, for instance, yesterday, I think, what was it? He had a nice little ball fake drive and uh, – what was it? He he pulled up like around the free throw line, got fouled, I think, by Russell Westbrook, got himself to the line. He has those moments, and it's believe me, it's like maybe a flash or two a game that he shows he can be a lot more. But, it, you know, it's just it never breaks through. And then, of course, you've re- you guys already kind of mentioned Ian Clark. Um, he was a spark plug. And, yeah, you kind of need to ride a hot hand when you're having problems scoring, right? And the Pelicans didn't do that. And then, yeah, with Solomon Hill, it seems like he's able to take on a bigger role now. And he was building, what was he, coming off 21 minutes, I think, against Cleveland, and it fell suddenly and sharply down to 13. Um, his plus-minus is a plus-13, but I can kind of see what Gentry saw out there because Solomon did make a couple of boneheaded mistakes. But granted, how can you just pick on him when the whole team made 21 turnovers? Uh, I'm specifically talking about where Solomon Hill missed and he cutting down the uh, lane, and he threw it behind him, and it led to a quick, easy two for uh, Thunder on the other end. So... I don't know, Preston. Right now, I think uh, it's like all hands on deck. I'm not sure where the co- coaching staff feels like they can turn to because, honestly, they're not getting production from anybody. Honestly, I kind of feel for them because now's not the time to really hammer them because I feel like for the most part, they've done a good job with substitutions. There's just a few tweaks. Like for me, again, I said Diallo. That's the main one. I feel like this team needs uh, to play with a lot of pace. So what is that? That entails a lot of energy. And Diallo is the you know, number one guy that can bring it on the team. So, I don't know. I, I'm not going to harp on it too much more on the rotations. Pelicans are struggling right now big time, and it's easy to really point and make uh, anything kind of look bad right now. Yeah, there's a there's a bevy of factors that play into this one. I'm just trying to get all of them out on the table. Of course, the the big ones and the, the ones that's difficult to talk about and discuss because they are so critical to the Pelicans' success, of course, is Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. Uh, both of these guys were kind of tepid offensively. Drew only taking 10 shots as a whole in the game and Anthony Davis uh, only 18 points in the first three quarters, nothing in the fourth until I think about four minutes left. He got eight free throw attempts that uh, gave him 25 for the game. But uh, at that, at that point, it was, it was almost garbage time. Uh, the Pelicans got within five at one point, I think with uh, about a minute 15 left following a, a Russell Westbrook layup, Anthony Davis got two points at the line and then Paul George came back and hit a three and that was pretty much it. But Here's here's the question. There's there's a lot of talk uh, from Alvin Gentry specifically that Anthony Davis uh, almost shouldn't be playing at this point. That's that's the degree that he's suffering from that ankle injury right now. And yet he's playing 40 minutes and it's critical every minute, uh, every game at this point. You have to have him out on the floor, even if his shot's not falling, even if he's not aggressive. He just generates so much attention um, from the opposing defense, uh, supposedly giving more space to the offensive guys. But we, we see it didn't really help too much last night. But Kevin, what's your stance on this? Not only the minute threshold that he's playing at this point on that ankle that supposedly he wouldn't play on if it wasn't the final two weeks of the season. But in addition to that, uh, bodying him up against uh, Steven Adams for a large portion of the game. What, what would you do not only with Anthony Davis minutes, but with his position? 
Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can fault him for playing those minutes just because of what, what he's saying is true. I mean, you're trying to make it into the playoffs. You need your best player out there and he needs to, you know, it's a shame that he has to play through this because we, you know, if we had Boogie, we can maybe like rest him. Boogie could uh, carry the team for a little while, but we don't have that luxury right now. So he has to play that bulk of the minutes. But what you're saying is right about the matchups. You know, you could do things where if you have Okafor out there more, if you have Diallo out there more, they could body up against the more uh, physical player and uh, spare Anthony Davis some and give him some space to roam, you know, have that have the, uh, a, a center in the middle of the court and have AD at power forward sort of finding uh, spaces around and, and um, getting openings and, and having some space to drive to the hoop instead of like playing necessarily as close to it when you, which I like him close to it, but when you have Steven Adams there, it's a little bit tougher. If you have uh, him a little bit more of a runway to work with, then it might have worked out better in that specific matchup not necessarily other matchups. But, yeah, I mean, you don't want him getting beat up more when he already has an injury that obviously he should have probably missed at least a couple of games from. Yeah, okay, sorry. I, I had a little glitch on my side, so I couldn't tell if you stopped speaking or if we were having a technical difficulty. Uh, back at it, I, I love all those points just to follow it up with Ali. Um, he's he's getting a lot of uh, criticism right now for not being as aggressive as the Pels need him to be against Cleveland. He didn't have a great showing going 6 of 19 from the field, uh, just 16 points. I think those numbers are right, something along those lines. But people are just expecting the MVP candidate, Anthony Davis, to carry them to these wins over these fantastic basketball teams, Oklahoma City Thunder is sitting right around uh, the four or fifth seed right now. Cleveland is uh, making a, a strong surge to, to wrap up that third seed in the East, as well as, you know, Houston, the number one team in the league right now. Portland, who is uh, very solidly in that three position in the West. Um, how much blame do you do you want to put on Anthony Davis at this point in time, Ollie? Um, it's a low number for me. Um, God, I don't know. It, it's It's... It's it's honestly right around you know twenty to twenty five percent if that. Um, but you know you kind of got to look, and this is where I think it gets interesting is if you look at the season as a whole. If you think about all the games that we kind of threw out earlier in the year, kind of their actual bad showings where they just didn't show up to play. And what's ringing out to me is the two home losses to the Kings, and then there was that back to back to the Mavericks and the Knicks right before the New Year. So it's funny how all those type of games nobody's really talking about. They're just simply looking at these four games, this four-game losing streak that, you know, it was going to be tough to win anyways when you look at the caliber of uh, the opponent. But with the Pelicans not playing well, I mean, it, it is what it is. So it's, it, I, I have problems, I guess, you know, picking on a guy, and especially when, I'm sorry, I got to bring it up, but it's just ridiculous that somebody's talking about how an Anthony Davis Red Bull commercial may have anything to do with the play, with the lack of effort on his part in some of these losses. Just blows my mind. I just have to say that. Just ridiculous bullshit. I just don't want to hear it or see or read it. So, um, yeah, that's got me flustered now, Preston. Sorry, why don't I throw it back to you? No, I, I, I 100% agree. And I understand the take whenever it's it's a critical time of year and your team is losing. It's it's easy to get frustrated. And, you know, we're all pointing to a variety of different factors. I, I harp on Emeka Okafer for some reason because he's a feel-good story. He's this year's version of Jordan Crawford in my mind. And I want to see him do well. And I think when he's on the court, for the most part, uh, he wasn't as good last night. But against Portland, I thought he could have played a lot. Anyway, uh, everybody wants to harp on what they want to harp of. You, you, you look 
for something to to grab your teeth onto and you just you just sink in. And I, I could have tolerated that kind of conversation. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but there was something in the article discussing Kevin Durant and LeBron James as the consummate professionals. If any if anyone saw them doing something like that, uh, you know, the national media wouldn't wouldn't let them hear the end of it. The problem with that is mm-hmm. in the past week, these guys have have very noticeably been uh doing similar things at the Justin Timberlake concert, taking shots, following uh, the Pelicans game on Friday night in Cleveland. And then uh, Kevin Durant spending three hours with Bill Simmons in Los Angeles. Either of these guys could have been at home, you know, with their, with their heads on their pillows, getting ready for, for the uh, incoming two weeks. Both of these guys have a lot of play to play for at this point in time. Kevin Durant without Steph Curry out there, he's got a larger load uh, to carry. And LeBron James has, has had quite the burden all season long. So you know, it's just difficult to make that assessment about a guy who use who uses his own smartphone to take a, a thirty second uh, video of himself in his own locker room. Um, it's definitely difficult, but we're all we're all flustered, we're all frustrated. Uh, you guys saw firsthand uh, Ali kind of breaking out of it. I've I had my own meltdown uh, last night on the Twitter myself. So it's it's just that point in time. Everything means so much more. Everything is more purposeful. Everything becomes. Um, more integral at this point in the season. And, and we just can't lose games. We can't lose ground uh, falling back to the eighth seed. And, and we're going to transition to this in a little bit about uh, just what's important this season and where we want to see ourselves finishing in order to declare this season a success. But I did want to touch on something that Ali said. Um, I was, I was waiting for people to bring up some of those early season losses against, you know, teams like the Kings and against the magic. And I'll refute this. I'll refute that by saying this Ali, and then I'll throw it back to you. For every game like that, the Pelicans did get uh, kind of a gimme in the form of, I don't know, playing against the Boston Celtics without Kyrie Irving or, or you know, just all these uh, injury-hampered teams the Pelicans have had op- opportunities to play, like the Spurs last month whenever uh, Pau Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge had to had to leave early uh, due to ankle and knee injuries. So for, for everyone the Pels have dropped, they've gotten a gift in its place. Would you say that's fair? No, because I'm not just looking at the win-loss record. See, I'm looking at the effort level. I'm looking at what the Pelicans did to try and win those earlier games as to what they're trying to now. And it's obvious these guys are leaving a lot out there on the court. Um, They're driving themselves literally into the ground uh, by how tired they are. And and it's obvious in the the postgame. And it's not just that people are hanging their heads after losses. It's it's seeing ice buckets now, say, in front of Ian Clark. Uh, These guys are hurting. Um, and Alvin Gentry's alluded to, you know, Al or um, excuse me, Anthony Davis has been hurting. Same thing with Roger and Rondo. So they are all nicked up. As for earlier in the season, Preston, they were healthier, and they just, you know, for whatever reason, they weren't able to muster the same type of intensity or effort. So yeah, I'm looking at those wins and losses. It's different now. And if you want to start giving like or, or pointing out, like say the Boston Celtics, what about you know, we we that opens up a whole can of worms. You can suddenly talk about well, the Pelicans face. The Golden State Warriors three times when they were, you know, at full strength. And now suddenly Utah Jazz, I think, had them two or three times and a few other teams, you know, catching all these teams that are not at the top of their game. So it's, it, I don't think that conversation leads to anywhere good. Uh, it's, it's just a whole lot of back and forth. I'm just simply looking at the product and what the, the you know, how the Pelicans are performing out there. And I want to say that they're performing at, at as much – when, when you look at a game, Preston, there's a couple things you look at. The energy, effort, and execution, stuff that you can kind of control. And I feel like the Pelicans have done largely a good job with that. I mean, albeit the 21 turnovers last night, but for the most part, they've put it all out there. And earlier in the season, it was like every other game. I mean, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was. But 
it, it's just not comparable to me, I guess. So no, I don't agree with you at all <laughs> about that. Sorry. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to continue pouring the bucket of despair on us in a moment. But before we do that, let's let's talk a bit about Drew Holiday. Obviously, we're giving him uh, a big push for all NBA defense this season, and he continues to be lights out on that. And however, offensively, he had a quiet night last night. And it was it was a game that I personally was expecting a lot from him uh, attacking, you know, players like Russell Westbrook, a guy who likes to play a a bit of free safety and fight under screens. I thought it would give Drew Holiday uh, a great opportunity to probe like Steve. Steven Adams described uh, the Pelicans backcourt is doing. He said, not so much attacking you off the screen and roll as uh, probing and, and trying to find space. I thought there'd be an opportunity for him last night in the contest to, to, to be a bit more aggressive. Um, and he has, he has been uh, pretty consistent lately with uh, lone exceptions on that end of being against Oklahoma city and Houston. Kevin, what do we need and expect from Drew holiday on, on big stages like this? Yeah, I mean, um, expectations of what I expect of Drew Holiday have changed um, this season just because, you know, coming into the season, I didn't think that he was a guy that had that attack mentality. And then he showed that he can have it and he showed the ability to, um, you know, take charge and drive to the rim and, and get to the bucket and become an aggressive scorer. So I expect that from him now. And uh, last night he was very lackadaisical, you know, um, he didn't attack that much, but what he, I think he had like what five shots in the first half only. And, um, you know, you're talking about his, his, uh, his all-star player on, on the team being injured. He, you know, he knows he has to step up and um, he just didn't do that last night. So it was sort of a disappointing effort from him. I know he had a tough, some tough matchups defensively. He had to put a lot of effort out there on that, but you know, you also need to see some effort on the offensive end. And that's what I expect from him every night. And uh, so it was disappointing, but I mean, he's given us some um, amazing games this year that I wasn't expecting. So it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I don't, I don't necessarily fault him for having a night off, but it would just be nice, especially knowing that, Anthony Davis is hurt and these games matter so much if he would uh, have stepped up a little bit more on, on that end. And Ali, uh, I, I want to bring up another game. I was thinking of uh, the game against the Wizards. I, I want to say it was uh, the first or second week of March where Drew Holiday, I think he only took like eight shots, only made two of them. He was very quiet, didn't didn't play uh, a heavy minute load because he was so ineffective in that game. And so too against the Thunder and against the Rockets, as I just mentioned, uh, there are some games where Drew Holiday can kind of disappear on the offensive end. How important do you think that, do you think it is that he needs to be aggressive uh, from the tip? Here, I agree with you hundred percent, buddy. Yeah. He, he needs to be the, you know, whether he is or not uh, by definition, the Robin to Anthony Davis's Batman, he cannot have that off game as to where a role player like each one more, or anybody else you really want to list on the rest of the roster. But Drew Holly cannot be that guy simply because, A, um, he has all that talent, and we've seen it. I mean, I thought he played splendidly in some of these recent games, like, for instance, against the Lakers, against Portland, and even against Cleveland. He, he, he was magical. And then it, it's funny how then just a couple of days later he goes to just, wow, is he even out there on the court? So, no, that's not acceptable at all. And you can understand that he has to guard – you know, the Paul George, Russell Westbrook, but he still has to, you know, it, even if he forces up some bad shots, he has to make himself a threat. 
And I really thought that, and I'm glad you brought that up, was that Stephen Adams video where somebody asked him about how the Pelicans, or how, excuse me, how the Thunder were guarding the Pelicans, and specifically AD on uh, pick and rolls. And he simply said, no, we weren't going to switch anything because we didn't have to, basically. Because the Pelicans guards, they weren't looking to be aggressive. They weren't looking to score. They were just probing in hopes of getting us, finding somebody open. And that specifically was Anthony Davis rolling to the rim. And it's true. I mean, I can't even recall maybe but one dunk AD had, uh, but it wasn't off a pick and roll. It was, I think, on some busted play. So the Pelicans, and again, it comes down to Drew Hodder. Who, who's the one that can, you know, basically grab the reins and run off with him? And it's Drew, and he's done it on, in a lot of games, and he's been spectacular, exceeding almost everybody's expectations. But he can't suddenly turn around and have those mammoth lulls. Uh, for instance, Russell Westbrook would never do that. He would, you know, he'll still jack up 20 shots, even if it's his team doesn't win and he only makes like four, five, or six. It's the fact that he's aggressive. I feel like it opens up the floor for the rest of the team. Uh, it gives you second chance points because let's face it, 21 turnovers, you're not even getting shots up. Uh, Drew has to take it upon himself to at least get some shots up. It, it may change, you know, everything around whether he sinks his shots or not. So, yeah, Preston, without a doubt, 100%, Drew has to simply bring it every game on both ends of the floor. And I know a lot of people are focusing on the turnovers, and rightfully so, as the most the Pelicans have had since December 13th. Just keep in mind that the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm looking it up right now, they're one of the better teams in the NBA in creating turnovers. And not all of the, the turnovers were induced by the opponent, of course. Uh, you'll all famously remember Anthony Davis just butterfingering a, a dunk on a fast break, a standing all by himself, one of the more frustrating parts of the game. Let's see. Uh, they create 16 turnovers games. So obviously it was it was a bit above their season average, but this is a, an opportunistic defense uh, and they flourish on that end of the floor. So um, just just something to keep in mind going forward. It, it was a heavy, especially since we've been spoiled in the past month, uh, the Pelicans have been down to just 13 turnovers per game. So definitely a disheartening statistic, but one to, to put into perspective. Let's let's talk, Kevin, a bit about movement, something that Ali was alluding to. Uh, the Thunder kind of figured something out there as long as they didn't give the guards any space um, and just stayed close to their man, uh, a, a lot of man defense instead of zone. It really it really slowed down the Pelicans offense. Alvin Gentry said that the Pelicans weren't really moving the ball one pass, no pass and just jacking up a shot. Why do you think the um, the offense is hitting a stop sign and what can they do can, to give it a green light at this point? I mean, it's just that you just got to make passes and you got to move off the ball. And I think like one of the things that Okafor would help in this situation is being a guy who could set some solid screens because we don't have, you know, Anthony Davis for as great as he is. One of his weaknesses has always been that he doesn't set good screens and Okafor can do that. And that can free up guys running off ball to get to the corner to get above the arc, above the arc to find open shots and uh, just mo more movement in general um, players with the ball on the ball and the ball itself. Um, and then also again, like, you know, as we've already said on the pick and roll, when you run that AD, you also have to make yourself a possible threat and score and you need to drive, you need to create contact. You need to do these kind of things to keep the, the, defense honest and maybe also get yourself to the line or get yourself some buckets and get yourself some easy buckets that could get you going. Um, all of those things would help. If you see a lot of stagnation, you see a lot of, uh, like there was a few like passes that would have been nice. Like I think that, I think it was Ian Clark 
threw a pass between two defenders to uh, I can't remember who it might have been to Anthony Davis, but like he waited too long and he didn't rifle it through. If he would have rifled it through, it would have worked. But it was just a lazy, slow um, try to force through two defenders bounce pass and it became a turnover, you know, like just need to be more decisive and more crisp and, um, and, you know, be more aggressive. And that's the main thing. They didn't, they didn't have that aggressive mentality last night for whatever reason. I think that's a really good point. I was looking at some of the hustle stats on NBA.com and uh, the, the thunder set twice as many screens last night. And that's a good way just to create some separation, create some mismatches, some switches. Uh, what did you see out there, Ollie, that, that could have given the offense a boost. Kevin nailed it for me. They needed to make the simple pass. On my end, I remember specifically in the second half, Rondo was trying to make a pass to, I think it was Drew Holiday in the corner, but he had each one more there um, on, on the wing that he could have gone through him first. Instead, he tried to make the pass to Drew, and I think it bounced off like Paul George's leg or something out of bounds. And then there was another pass in, within that sequence that didn't make it through. Uh, just seconds earlier, he tried again something, you know, too hard of a pass because it wasn't there, basically threading the needle when it wasn't there. And then, of course, when they got the ball, or um, excuse me, when the possession continued because they had the ball out of bounds and tried to throw it in, obviously they threw it to the uh, the Thunder, and they led, you know, off and got another easy two points. And that's the reason why I'm touching on this, Preston. I feel like they're just, they just really beat themselves yesterday, and they've kind of made that a habit. Like in the Portland game, if you guys remember, how many second-chance points did they give up? Had they just rebounded better? Because in that game, Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis played really well uh, on the offensive side. So the Pel- the issue wasn't the points. And even Damian Lillard went off. But again, the Pelicans could have won that game had they simply just done the basic fundamentals, and that is to box out, to grab the boards. And yesterday, I felt like the Thunder really didn't want to win that game either. Through three quarters, it was really a bloodbath. Uh, no team, you know, kind of went on a run, played some flawless type of basketball no nobody sees that moment and of course the turnovers as they were the entire game seemed to be you know the big the biggest hindrance and you know it's like the pelicans seem to find a different way now suddenly they're losing games and this was kind of the issue earlier in the season well before boogie injured his achilles so suddenly it's happening again and that's why i mentioned at the very top of this podcast i think it's an issue also with energy and legs they're just trying to cheat a little bit they're trying to make it easier on themselves um, because you can see on every possession, the team isn't running back. Um, I've seen Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis in instances last night where they didn't even cross half court, you know? So I, I really truly do think it's, it's kind of uh, a conditioning issue is part to blame. And I don't know honestly how they're going to be able to overcome this. They're going to have to just fight through it, play smart uh, and do all the, you know, just check off all the fundamentals on the list. But otherwise in that person, there's really no easy, solution to it because unless they magically get hot which i don't think you can expect from this team because boy oh boy have they struggled with their outside shot and they're not getting to the free throw line there's just so many negatives right now on offense that if they're not getting those easy baskets in the paint they're simply not scoring so they've got a lot to do and they've only got five games and they've got to basically figure it out today before our next game which is on uh, wednesday against the memphis grizzlies because you know that's liable i'm afraid of that game i'm sure we'll get to it but i'm afraid of that matchup all right, uh, just to give you guys some numbers put into perspective, over the 10-game win streak, the Pelicans averaged 126 points on 100 shots. Uh, the last four games, they're averaging just 100 points on 90 shots. So 
the pace has slowed um, and obviously the scoring has slowed as well. Uh, a, a wider topic that I want to talk about with you guys without uh, Boogie, we've, we've seen that the Pelicans, you know, this is a, a debate that was very short lived. The Pelicans were without Boogie. Now that we see without him, he's 16 and the Pelicans are 16 and 13. Uh, they were 27 and 20 with him on the floor. Now let's take a look at some of the wins that the Pelicans have had in that time. Obviously, that 10-game win streak making up the bulk of it. There was a 1-5 streak before that. And, of course, they're an 0-4 right now after having won four in a row. Take a look at this schedule, Kevin, if if you will. And it's got some some checkered-in impressive wins, like against a Boston team that was playing without Kyrie Irving and Jalen Brown. But with that being said, this Boston team has been a lot of trouble for a lot of teams, even without those guys in the lineup. Uh, so, too, the Pelicans beat San Antonio, albeit with uh, only one half of LaMarcus Aldridge in that contest, and Pau Gasol was out for the entirety of it. What is your signature win post-boogie? I don't know. I can you read me the re- remind me of all the ga- all the games if you can. Yeah, let me find it. Okay, so Oklahoma City 114 to 100 that was back on February 2nd um and then you got Brooklyn, Detroit, Lakers, Miami, Milwaukee, Phoenix, uh Spurs, Dallas, Clippers, Kings, Charlotte, Boston, Dallas, Indiana and uh the Lakers. So it's it's got to be one of those two games, possibly the Thunder, or just one that was a real feel-good win that you thought uh, gave them some momentum going into the the ensuing weeks. I think that maybe it was either the Thunder win or that Clippers win because the Clippers win was so important to you know it's it's a team you're trying to keep out of the playoffs and try to keep uh, ahead of. So that was a big one, um, and then that Oklahoma City one was pretty impressive as well. So okay. it, I'd go with one of those two. All right, what about you, Ollie? I like that Miami Heat game right out of the All-Star break. And I was sitting there with Kevin, uh, our board Grub, and Andrew Smith of Bourbon Street Shots. We're all sitting there watching that game, and it was close throughout. And you know you were going to get the best, you know, the best shot from an Eric Spolster team, who I think had been struggling before the All-Star break. So, yeah, that game went into overtime, and uh, the Pelicans won. But there were so many good individual plays in that game. And, of course, after that, what they do? Win another, like, six in a row or something like that. So I felt like that was kind of like my springboard. They started off the All-Star break really well, and they drove, you know, pretty much right up into that hard part of the schedule where was it, six six games in eight days. I thought they fared really well. So you really, really, we were all expecting this team to kind of take off because they got over, you know, they started off hot out of the break, and then they made it through that stretch okay. But it's now recently they've just hit a wall. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, but going back to that Miami Heat game, what about you, Preston? Uh, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. It's probably not going to be the more the more popular choice, but it was that matchup against Detroit. I think the Pelicans had just survived uh, a game against uh, a meager opponent the the night or two before. I can't remember if it was the Brooklyn Nets, but uh, at that point of the season, I thought the season uh, I, I thought it was all over. I thought we were going into the into the off season with a lottery selection that was going to go to Chicago. Uh, we were one in five before we won whatever the game was before. The Pelicans barely survived. Uh, I'm going to look it up. Well, was it the Nets? Yeah. Yeah, it was a closely fought game. The team just looked sloppy. They looked sluggish. It, it looked like one the Nets were prepared to let the Pelicans have. But against Detroit, they they came out with enthusiasm from the tip. Um, and they they pretty much thoroughly dominated that one throughout. And it was it was the first game that I thought 
that, that that there might be something happening. There might be something brewing. Maybe this team does have something to play for. And that was when uh, Anthony Davis famously started whatever those stats were, that 40 and 15 for three or four consecutive games straight. And and we saw life uh, being pressed back into the the soul of our of our Pelican. So it was just a, a bright spot for me. And I, I remember clicking my heels uh, as I turned off the TV on that one. Of course, I wasn't in the arena. Um, let's let's move on to another topic, Kevin. Uh, well, did everybody quick, cover that one? Quick. Let me let me change mine. I'm going with the Lakers game because that's the third night of, of three in a row, which is pretty unprecedented. And they looked really good. And that was a fun game. I'm going to change it to that one. Yeah, a lot of points scored in that one. Uh, I didn't think they were ever going to slow down. Um, and Joel Myers and David Wesley pretty much called it from the first three minutes. Uh, they they knew what was going to happen. Uh, they must have had a little birdie in their ear telling them that nobody was going to play defense that night, although they couldn't have predicted that um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope would sink, what, his first, like, five threes and his first mm-hmm. eight shots, something like that. That guy was unconscious in the first half. Yeah, the pace was crazy in that game, too. So it was, like, on the third night of three in a row, and that was impressive. Yeah, and, and who's to say the Pelicans uh, still win that game if Lonzo Ball doesn't go one for 12 or whatever he shot from that game. So very exciting win, won the Pelicans. Uh, Might have been lucky to escape with, given how fatigued they must have been at that point in time. Um, let's let's transition to this next same line of thinking, Ali. The, the Pelicans have the 13th best record in the NBA at this point in time at 43 and 34. There are five teams with better records in the Eastern Conference, and they are, of course, the eighth best team in the Western Conference right now. Uh, for, for all the things that we're complaining about and all the things we're breaking down and the offensive struggles, a lot of this just could be due to scheduling and that they've played four very good teams in the past week. And during that 10-game win streak, they're really wasn't a signature win to to point to uh, we're reaching for it at this point i just you know i just picked the pistons uh kevin picked the lakers you picked the heat who uh is not in the top five at this point in time in the east but they are they are a tough out and they have been playing well for the better part of a year after starting whatever it was 11 and 30 the first half of last year i think they finished the season on some kind of 30 and 12 uh sprint at that point and they've been pretty good this year as well but with that being said the pelicans just haven't really knocked down a really tough opponent um, over their 16 and 13 stretch. So just how good are they right now, Ali? Well, at this very moment in time, I think they're kind of very mediocre. Uh, You've got to go by with how just things aren't coming together on the floor. And the reason I'm talking about tire legs so much is simply because, you know, what was it just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how clutch they were. I wrote, wrote an article about how resilient they were. Well, suddenly they're not, you know, finishing games off the way they had been earlier. Um, Etwell Moore's had a couple chances to either tie or win games in the last three, and, and he's 0 for 3 on those shots. Uh, you can make, you know, similar remarks with just about anybody that's been on the floor during crunch time who has in one way or another failed, whether it's been a turnover, missed shot, you name it. Um, so... Suddenly, all these games that the Pelicans were winning closely, I felt like was due to the execution, smart play, decision-making, inspired play because of some energy, effort, whatever. Suddenly, all that's just completely lacking, and I feel like that's been the difference. Again, I don't want to say that they've been playing without effort. That's not right, because I feel like they have fought very hard against four really good teams. So you've got to give credit to the opponent, and the Pelicans have been in just about every single one of those games really outside of that Houston game that kicked off this losing streak. Uh, it's just that I feel like they just haven't had enough firepower at the end to will themselves to a win. So that's why I think it makes sense why we've been harping, as you brought up wonderfully, um, discussing the substitutions. 
could maybe Alvin Gentry have tweaked something? Could maybe the players have performed a little bit better? Because it really has come down to like the last few possessions. But again, for me, it's just from that energy standpoint. So um, I don't know. I don't know, Preston. I mean, it's hard to say that they're better than mediocre when they're not beating competition who really hasn't been playing well. I thought outside of LeBron James, the Cavaliers didn't play well at all. Uh, the Thunder, what they have, 18 turnovers. They made a, made a bunch of silly mistakes. As you mentioned, Paul George, after a hot start, cooled off. Carmelo Anthony got seated with uh, three quick fouls, had that technical. Um, outside of Russell Westbrook, really, was there anybody that had that, that sustained performance of the game? No. So, And in the Portland game, C.J. McCollum, he couldn't make a shot to save his life. I know Damian Lillard was spectacular, but, you know, that's a two-headed beast. And for Portland, one of them didn't show up. So it's it's as though the Pelicans are right there and they can win and they kind of have been given a chance to win. There's an avenue because none of these opponents have played their best ball and yet the Pelicans have not won any single of those games. And now suddenly they're one game from uh, honestly looking on the outside end of the playoffs. So you can't really give credit to this team as saying at right now, I'm talking about just right now, they're not – anything more than mediocre because you don't have confidence they're going to pull out wins anymore. Let me ask Kevin the same question. Ollie brought up a good point that we talked about last night was the Pelicans were 17 and four in games decided by five points or less. The last three games have been decided by five, four and five, and the Pelicans are zero and three in those contests. So Kevin, are the Pelicans losing these close games because they're tired, because they're tight or just because they're playing better teams? Well, I think it's a combination of all of that. I can't comment on the Cleveland game because I had to work and it was on ESPN, so there's no like way I can go back and watch it, so I didn't see that game. But in terms of the other games, um, I feel like part, partially it's due to being tired. I mean, you, you're uh, we have a hobbled star right now. And we play a fast pace, and we have guys that are playing more games than they've played for most of their career or in the recent span of their careers and playing at a faster pace and playing heavier minutes. So obviously that takes a little bit of a toll. I mean, having a hobble, Anthony Davis also helps. I mean, also hurts us in that situation, but I also think I, I feel like crunch time has been a little bit mismanaged in the last few games outside of, like I said, I can't comment on the Cleveland one cause I didn't see it, but I just feel like lineup wise, there's been some weird decisions that, I, you know, like like we said, like last night, where was Ian Clark? They put him in when with like a little bit, like maybe right around the two-minute mark, and he was the only hot hand really throughout the whole night. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit oh, too little too late. It reminded me a lot of that um, there was a game back in the Monty Williams era where we played the Spurs and Anthony Mora Moore was lighting up the Spurs, and we were uh, – I think we were up by like 12 and he put Moro on the bench and then the lead went away and, we, and Moro never got off the bench and we lo- ended up losing that game. It was like, it reminded me of that. It was just like, why is this guy who's the only guy who's really hit all of his shots tonight or a high percentage of his shots not out there when you had a struggling Etwan Moore and you had a struggling Darius Miller um, on, the, on the court, you know, and just didn't just a little bit mismanagement towards the end combined with tiredness and quality opponents. Cause of course you are playing some of the better teams in the league. Um, and maybe you're not getting their best efforts. Maybe you're not, uh, but maybe also your defense is causing some of that problems for them. So it's hard to say um, in that, in that situation, but 
you know, all those things factor in. And I, I think, uh, you know, just some minor tweaks here and there, and you still have enough to win some of those games, which is somewhat promising, but also it's disheartening that you could see how if they would have just done something slightly different, you would maybe come out 500 or even win all of those contests. Yeah, definitely, definitely a difficult slate of games against tough opponents. Uh, like Gentry said, uh, that the nerves might have gotten the better of them in those first quarters, uh, although the Pelicans did maintain a good, healthy lead going into the second quarter against the Thunder. But like we said, it's a variety of factors. It's, it's difficult to point to any one thing. What's not difficult to point to, Ali, is the upcoming slate of schedule that the Pelicans have. These next two games specifically against the Memphis Grizzlies and the Phoenix Suns could not be any more critical than they were before. But with that being said, the Pelicans have to start putting wins into that column um, and get up to 45 against these two opponents. Both of these guys are full on in the tank race, uh, number one and number two at lottery odds uh, right now, I think, although Memphis did win two games this week. They are 21 and 56. They haven't won two games in a week since January, but they did it this week, albeit I think uh, the Grizz got tired of winning uh, because against the Jazz in a, in a tightly fought contest, they ended up benching Marcus Gasol for the entire fourth quarter. Some other guys to look for uh, the development of um, Dylan Brooks, Wayne Selden Jr., and uh, Marshawn Brooks, a guy who was brought in on a 10-day contract in his first two games, has scored 24 and 21 points. I know this is a team you're leery to play, even at home on Wednesday night at the Smoothie King Center. Uh, give us give us your take on what do you think transpires in this one, and uh, yeah, go into detail for us. Okay. Yeah, person, I'm just worried just simply because uh, they have knocked off two of our direct competitors, both uh, was it the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers. But you're right. The fact that Mark Gasol was sad against Utah, where it looked like they could have upset that game. I didn't watch it, but I was following along the score, and it was really close throughout. And then suddenly Utah pulled away. And later, then, of course, I learned that was why, you know, Gasol had sat down. So, yeah, I would love to see the same thing happen against the Pelicans. But honestly, I do think that they will come out with a win. I think that the Pelicans are due to kind of, you know, sooner or later, this team has to kind of turn around the ship. Um, they are still a focused bunch that you have to give credit for. And sooner or later, that's got to translate. Um, it just, it all depends on, you know, how they play as a team. Cause I'm just really worried about how the offense is really slowed. If they can get back to just pushing the pace a little bit, making the extra pass, making some cuts, get finding their way to the free throw line and getting those open threes, um, then they'll be okay. But right now they haven't done any of that. And it's led to some very, Hard to watch games to where the Pelicans have really struggled to put up points throughout most of these uh, last four losses. Um, but against the Grizzlies, though, Preston, you're right. I think you're playing a team that's full of a younger guys, but they're not playing together. They're just out there kind of playing for themselves. And those are the type of teams that, you know, and a playoff team should beat. So I'm going to say that the Pelicans are going to bounce back. Fortunately, the game's at home. And then, uh, of course, I'm looking for them to also get that win against the Suns, too. And Kevin, uh, just to clarify some things, the two wins were against Portland without Damian Lillard. Of course, that was the night that he uh, flew home to witness the birth of his child. And uh, he came back and played the Grizzlies again last night. And it was a much different contest, a 15-point win for the Blazers. And uh, looking at the box score, Marcus Gasol only played 20 minutes in that contest. So they are giving a lot of players a lot of minutes, all nine players who entered the game. Uh, got more than 20 minutes in this one, uh, the low man being Deontay Davis at 21. Uh, they're, they just, they're, they're giving a lot of minutes to uh, 
to young developmental guys, Jarrell Martin, 31 minutes per game in the past two weeks. Uh, this this has got to be the one, one of the games that the Pelicans have to have. I do want to make a, another, um, what's it called, amendment to something we just said. It wasn't the Nuggets. It was the Timberwolves that the Grizzlies beat earlier this week. Now go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, anytime you play a team that has Marcus All, you have to worry. I mean, he's just the, a solid player, a very good player, and uh, he's always going to be playing his best and his hardest, no matter what their situation is. He's just that kind of guy. So, you know, that always presents a problem, and especially if you, you know, Anthony Davis is going to have to guard him, um, and that's going to also be an issue if Anthony Davis is a little bit hobbled. But, I mean, I expect to win that game also. Like Ali said, you got a bunch of young guys trying to prove their worth. You got a guy like Marshawn Brooks, who I always, like when he was first in the league, I thought he was going to be a very good player, and then it just didn't work out, and he went overseas, and he came back, and I'm glad to hear that he's um, putting up some good numbers now because I thought he would be a good player. But you got a guy like that who's playing for next year right now, so he's going to be ball dominant, taking a lot of shots. You're going to have guys doing those kind of things, showcasing for next year, trying to get contracts, trying to get to other teams, um, those kind of things. So you need to take advantage of that. And um, one thing that was disheartening about uh, the game last night was the the crowd showed up. They were into it. It was like a playoff atmosphere in there. But it didn't translate to the energy on the team. And I, and I hope that this team coming off of a four-game losing streak where they um, were clearly had were in position at times to win those games, uh, will come out, you know, on fire, fired up to play uh, a, a lesser opponent, knowing like not falling into a trap game, not thinking, okay, we can just walk over these guys because of their record and because of who they are and who they're feeling out there. And I think that the crowd will still be there because. You know, I think people bought tickets to these final games, and I think they're going to show up. And, you know, we got WrestleMania this week, so you probably have a lot of tourists in town that are also like, well, hey, they got a basketball game. I can go to that. So I think the stands will be full, and I think the energy should be there again, even though this is a lesser team. And I hope that our team comes out with more energy than they did in last night. And I think if they have some energy and – um and we get a little bit of a break where they're playing Marcus all less than they should. Um, then I think, you know, it should be a walk. We should, we should uh, walk over them, but if not, you know, I think we'll still win. It just might be closer than we would like. Yeah. One more thing to know, Jim Michael, Michael Green. Thank you so much. And Mario Chalmers did, did not play in this contest. They both sat due to coaches decisions. And also if you guys are expecting offense in this one, uh, you can hold your breath because Memphis has the slowest pace in the NBA. They allow the least amount of shots in the NBA, just 80 per game. They're the best against points in the paint, something the Pelicans do pretty well. They're a top 10 defense yet again. They don't uh, move the ball particularly well and they don't score particularly well, but uh, don't, don't expect another high scoring affair. Although who knows, with this Pelicans team. Let's let's move on to Phoenix, the worst team in the NBA at 19 and 59. They've suffered a rash of injuries. They traded away Eric Bledsoe earlier in the year. Devin Booker is not likely to be available for this one. Josh Jackson has been their lone bright spot. I saw him play, uh, I want to say a week and a half ago against the Magic, and he's right in the middle of a pretty impressive streak. I think it's something like nine games straight of 16 points or more. He's averaging 25 points in the past two weeks uh, per game. So he's, he's somebody who's come to life with the opportunities that he's been given. 
And although Phoenix is really bad and uh, they've been sitting Tyson Chandler lately, they've played the last four opponents pretty tough. And their last four opponents were Boston, the Clippers, Houston, and Golden State. Uh, the Houston Rockets, of course, was a one-point game. Clippers, uh, Celtics, and Golden State, 10-point games. Tyler Eulis has been playing much better at this point. Do you have any fear in the Phoenix Suns, Ollie? God, I hope not. Preston, do you know that they've won just one game in the last two months? <laughs> yeah, they've Beat lost 15 Grizzly, February 28th. That's it. Then you got to go back all the way to January for their, their previous win. No. Pelicans have got to definitely knock off the Suns. But real quick, Preston, the Grizzlies, I just wanted to note, did beat Denver. They beat them two weeks ago. I had simply forgotten that Minnesota game. So really, the Grizzlies have uh, beaten three uh, key opponents for the Pelicans. Not two. I misspoke on that part. But, um, yeah, the Suns, Preston, got it. If they pose a threat, then let's just go ahead and uh, cancel the playoffs, cancel all the parties, because it's not happening. <laughs> if they can't knock off the Suns, because they are trying to lose games. And, what I'm, and, of course, people have to understand when we say that, it doesn't mean that the players aren't going to go out there and give their best effort. It's just simply the team's not going to put their best product out there. Um, as you mentioned, Devin Booker's not going to be a go, and he's by far and away their best player. And uh, so it's all about developmental mints. And that's when teams are technically, quote unquote, trying to lose. So, yeah, the Pelicans have got to get this one. It should be an easy win, I think. All right. So that'll give us two wins, uh, 45 and 34 and a pretty good handle in the Western Conference uh, playoff race right now. Uh, The Jazz, the Wolves and the Thunder. Everybody's got a pretty difficult uh, schedule at this point. The Spurs have the Rockets, the Clippers, or they just played the Rockets, sorry, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, the Kings uh, before the Pels on the final day. The Jazz have the Lakers, the Clippers, the Lakers again, the Warriors, and the Blazers. That might be the easiest schedule going forward, not because of their opponents, but because the Warriors and Blazers, those last two games are probably going to be resting a lot of players. Then you've got the Wolves with the Lakers, the Grizz, the Nuggets, and the Thunder. That's a pretty... uh, Tough schedule, just in being that they have to play the Nuggets and the Thunder, who are probably going to be playing for playoff positioning at that point. But uh, two pretty easy ones probably sprinkled in there. And then you've got the Thunder with the Warriors, the Rockets, the Heat, and the Grizz. So let's go ahead and take a stab at this. Kevin, where do you think the Pelicans end up? I mean, I'm trying to remember what my initial prediction was for this season. I want to say it was... It was either 46 or 48 wins in the seventh seed, and I think that's kind of what we're looking at. You know, I think we'll probably end up in that range. All right, Ollie, what about you? Yeah, I think I said 47 wins, but um, I I just think the biggest keys is just to watch what Denver and Minnesota are doing. Um, That's going to be the direct competition for simply whether the Pelicans make the playoffs or not. You need one of these two teams to struggle. And it has to be mentioned, we got to mention it, that they're going to play each other two more times before the end of the season. So technically, they both control their destiny, but yet they could do the Pelicans a big favor if one takes out the other one in, in a sweep, in, you know, a two-game sweep. And so that's what I'm going to be watching for. But yeah, Preston, if we can get to, uh, if we could somehow win, you know, three more games, I think that would do it, honestly, going three and two. But, you know, to feel safe, of course, you've got to go four and one. So we'll see. Yeah, the Wolves are def- The Wolves and the Nuggets are going to cannibalize each other. They have two games left against each other. And uh, other than that, there's there's not a whole lot of help out there for the Pelicans right now. The Spurs and the Jazz play the Clippers, but we're not expecting the Clippers to really be uh, an opponent going down the stretch. They're, they're two games back, and the Pelicans likely hold a tiebreaker against them. Plus, the Pelicans, uh, we're assuming, are going to beat them uh, in the final week of the season as well. So 
there's there's not a lot of help out there for us right now. So the Pelicans simply, point of fact, just have to win games. And they have to win probably at least three of them, but safely they have to win four to even get in at this point. And let's, with that topic being broached, let's discuss something else, Kevin. Uh, going into this season, a lot of people had the Pelicans out of the playoffs. Of course, we Pelicans fans, uh, we knew the chemistry shared be- between Boogie and Anthony Davis, and I think we were pretty confident that they were going to settle somewhere around the seventh or the eighth seed. However, our expectations rose uh, with the play that the Pelicans had with Boogie. Since going down, uh, we didn't expect much of anything, and then there was that 10-game win streak, and then all of a sudden our confidence went through the roof yet again. At this point in time of the season, we're, we're basically hitting a reset on 2017-18 going forward. So it, it, it might as well be as if this season didn't happen at all um, in some respects. But with that being said, Kevin, what, in your opinion, would deem this season a success? Would you say reaching the playoffs, winning a playoff game, winning a series, or are you already satisfied with the fight in this team? Um, I think, you know, winning a game or two in the playoffs would be, you know, a, a very successful season. I, I expected us to be in. Um, I mean, you should be in when you have, you know, we didn't know what we had offensively with Drew Holiday, um, but we knew what we had defensively, and he's, you know, should be in, you know, first team all defense, second team all defense at minimum. And and then we had two superstars that created a, you know, a, a dynamic mismatch for anybody we played against. Um, so, with you should expect the playoffs even once boogie went down um i still thought playoffs were were in reach because of the way anthony davis was playing and role players were stepping up and drew holiday had emerged as an offensive threat so i think you know anything less than the playoffs is a disappointment in one or two wins in a playoff series considering now that we are facing injuries and that you know the hope that we got from acquiring Nikola Mirotich looks like false hope because, you know, he hasn't he hasn't played well offensively at all. Um, so if if that doesn't turn around, you know, you can't really expect to to win a series because we are gonna be a low seed going against a Golden State or a Houston and um, you know, winning a game or two would be a, a huge success for me and I think that's what we should expect and hope for. Ali, before we get into this uh, debate on your behalf, the Rockets have already clinched the first seed. The Warriors have already clinched the second seed. The Blazers are just a couple of days away from clinching the third seed. The Pelicans play the Warriors in a week's time. Would you anticipate the Warriors taking it easy on the Pelicans? No, because that hasn't been the uh, how everything's transpired this season. It seems like whenever teams have uh, been injured or questionable to field their full uh, complement of stars uh, against the Pelicans. They've all seemingly gotten up and played. So I expect the Warriors to somehow, you know, everybody basically outside of Seth and Curry to return and they'll call it as simply getting ready for the playoffs. And then of course it'll come at our expense. So no, I'm not expecting a break in that one, Preston. All right, let's go ahead and answer the question. Uh, Would you deem the season a success if they reach the playoffs, win a game or two, win a series, or are you already satisfied? It's hard to call anything a success at this point. Simply, you you don't have your, you know, arguably maybe your best player, but definitely a top two player since January. Um, And the biggest fear I have is just, can you imagine if they don't make the playoffs? So for me, it's just making the playoffs. 
because suddenly it'll be known this season will go down as an epic collapse. Nobody's going to remember the highs as much as they're going to remember how the Pelicans closed out these final weeks. So although I would love, and of course, I think it would be great for uh, everybody in that locker room just to win a game or two in the playoffs. Right now, I think the bigger thing is just getting in. Um, and I'll be happy if they do that because I don't want to, I don't want to be anywhere in new Orleans this off season. If they do miss out on the playoffs, cause boy, oh boy, it's just going to be burying everybody. I mean, just imagine it. Everybody's going to be calling for Alvin Gentry's head again, Dell Demp's head. And God knows what they're going to say about the rest of the roster. So I don't know. I guess I'm living in fear here. I just don't want to see them miss the playoffs. All right. What uh, about you? What's your take? <sighs> Come on, be honest. It's it's just so difficult because I feel like with just everything that's transpired, we almost just have to hit the reset button and do all of this again. With that being said, if Anthony Davis truly wants to be considered as the best player in the world and be a candidate for the MVP going forward, if Drew Holiday wants to be considered an all-defensive level player and a guy who could one day challenge for the All-Star game. And and these role players, these guys, Rajon Rondo, who are, who are fighting for for minutes and money in this league, each one more, you just have to expect that these guys are going to step up and play well in the next five games, win four of them, and then being swept is not enough for me we've waited too long for this moment we haven't won a playoff game since i want to say 2011 with the lakers with that famous series with uh chris paul stealing two games from kobe and his cohort cohorts who eventually made it to the finals that year uh against the celtics and that was an exciting an exciting time to be a pelicans fan but we just haven't enjoyed enough success at this point and it's been too long i want to say the pelicans have been in new orleans for about 15 years at this point and to not have won a playoff season in the past 10, it's it's just not enough to just get there. It's it's a feel-good story because Boogie went down with his Achilles, and you don't expect anything to happen after that point in time. But who cares? Everybody's dealing with injuries. The San Antonio Spurs aren't making any excuses. Of course, uh, Greg Popovich keeps giving these hilarious quotes to the press, and and it's 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 got to be difficult to be a Spurs fan because you know what their ceiling is with Kawhi Leonard in there. With that being said, uh, the guys in in Minnesota with Jimmy Butler, they might get him back, they might not. The the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, everybody's dealing with with bumps, with bruises, with injuries, with uh with surgeries. You look at Boston Celtics and Kyrie Irving; it's just not enough to get in at this point. And in my opinion, I want more. I want to win games. I want to challenge for a series. I think that the Pelicans do have the weapons to do so, even though we've lost these four games and as critical as we've been about the team as a whole, about the, the, the turnovers, the substandard play of our two stars and drew holiday and Anthony Davis, the, the bench rotations and Meritich and Miller over guys like Diallo and Okafor. They are in these games. They have the opportunity. If it is just a matter of rest, the Pelicans are going to get that in the playoffs because it's very rare that a team Team plays uh, more frequently than at least every other night, if not once every three days. So that's not going to be an excuse two weeks from now. It's it's just, I want more at this point. I'm not going to be satisfied with an 0-4. I'm not going to be satisfied with a 4-1. I want to see them make some waves. I want to see some some optimism, uh, some momentum carrying off into most season. You hear Jamel McMillan at, at every point in time we talk to him. He always preaches continuity, breeding into success. And this is the perfect time to establish that. Um, so I, I I don't know. Long story short, I want more. I expect more. I think these guys have the ability and the talent to get more. And if it's just a matter of rest and just a matter of Anthony Davis healing himself, I do think with Steph Curry out of the lineup, it's going to be Draymond, Kevin Durant, and Clay Thompson and a, a pretty depleted bench. If, if you look down, I had it right in front of me a second ago. If you look against some of the guys, the Pelicans are going to be fighting off their bench. Guys like JaVale McGee, 
Uh, Jordan Bell has been playing well, but he's a rookie. You have to anticipate that some of the veterans for the Pelicans can take advantage of him. Zaza Pachulia has been playing five minutes per game. Uh, Sean Livingston has in, in many ways been a disappointment this season. Uh, Nick Young, extremely, these, these are guys the Pelicans have to take advantage if they do so by some chance end up with the Warriors. And of course, a lot of people probably uh, prefer them over the Rockets at this point. Anyway, I'm rambling at this point, but the bottom line, long story short, I expect more than just making the playoffs. I think these guys can do more. And I think they're, they're just that close. They're just on the precipice. They very easily could have beaten these four very impressive opponents that they played in the last week. And, and I, I, I expect, I expect more than that, I guess. Um, yeah. You, it's me, man. Well done. I want more now too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say, Preston, you said that Chris Paul stole two games from Kobe and the Lakers. I would say Marco Bellinelli stole two games from the Hornets. <laughs> oh, man. oh gosh what a good memory you have i, I was not expecting a, a bellinelli shout out i remember that that jarrett jack shot like it was yesterday i, I think chris paul just dis- distributed it to him he was right in front of the free throw line man that was an exciting time to be a hornets fan i guess we should say they weren't a pelican uh they weren't the pelicans until three years ago but oh i was so jacked up i was actually in the building in that one i can't remember if that was game one or game four do you guys remember uh, I don't remember. I want to no. say it was the first game. I, I'm pretty sure Jared Jack hit the game winner in that first one. Just, uh, Carl Landry and Trevor Ariza were huge in that series. They were amazing. Mm-hmm. Carl Landry. Yeah, because David West, remember, what didn't play. Poor yeah, ACL or whatever that was. Yeah, so if the Pelicans do uh, hang their hats on the seventh or eighth seed, which many of us are projecting at this point, if we could just get two wins out of that out of that series, I, I think they have the firepower. I think they have the resources. The bench has has never been deeper, um, at least in the Dell Demps era, in my opinion, uh, not including that first season. You guys just mentioned some some old throwbacks, some classics, but uh, the Pelicans are pretty deep. They've got ten guys that they can call upon in different matchups, and it's just a matter of figuring out those rotations right now. And if if Gentry manages a series well, and these guys show up, I, I think they definitely have the firepower to do it. Anyway, let's wrap it up. We've got two questions. We've got one from uh, MC Tuman. I think we answered this pretty well in depth. It says, Mech and Diallo both have far better advanced stats than our four small ballers, Miller, Moore, Clark, and Hill, all who play minutes at Ford. Yet, these guys, referring to Mech and Diallo, rarely play in the second half, even less in the fourth quarter, while we're getting killed on the offensive glass. So what am I missing? And he is, of course, referring to Stephen Adams getting, I want to say, five of his seven offensive rebounds in the second half last night and only four minutes in that time. And Diallo only had seven minutes as a whole on the night. Uh, let's start with Kevin. Is there anything you want to add to this as uh, to what we've said uh, earlier? No, I mean, I agree with him. And I, I saw a tweet he put out last night where he said he was sick of uh, the Anthony Davis and four guards lineup. And, you know, I have to say, I agree with that. I mean, I think, um, you know, the mantra was do it big and we lost boogie and, we still have two other very capable big men who show that they are positives when they're on the court. And um, I feel like they need to be utilized more and they would give Anthony Davis a break and you would create better defensive matchups down the line by having those guys in there. Um, You know, it makes everybody else's job easier aside from just the rebounding that they provide. Ollie Waka Waka Wakanda says, is there a way we can get the Hornets to trade Kemba to us? Uh, sure. <laughs> no, Holly. Um, I think we got to work on your yeah, connection, buddy. Charlotte Horn. Yeah, 
Oh, now I can hear you. Start over. Whatever you said, we lost it. Okay. Um, I was just saying no. Short answer, no. There's no way Kemba Walker's going to end up in uh, New Orleans. You got to think that even though Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets have not really done a good job of building a team around him, you still got to expect that they're going to want young pieces that kind of fit the mold of a next generation build. And I don't know who the Pelicans can offer. They don't already have their 2018 first round pick. And um, outside of that, who else are they going to want? So no, um, just no way. Plus then of course you got to look at the salaries. Um, how's that going to fit with a team that's already overloaded with Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins? I am going to go ahead and disagree just for the sake of doing so, uh, because Mitch Kupchak is being brought in to, uh, to replace, was it Rich Cho? I can't remember, mm-hmm. in Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, it said that he just uh, agreed to it. <laughs> Sorry? He's a figurehead, man. He's not going to make as much influence as you think, just like Rich Cho, who was thought of very highly before he took that job in Charlotte. Well, I think it could be interesting to a team if the Pelicans offered not the 2019 pick uh, with Boogie and all the resources the Pelicans are are probably going to contend again, at least for the playoffs, if nothing else. But if you start floating that 2020 or even that 2022 pick, a lot of teams around the association are assuming that DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis are not going to last very long in New Orleans. And should the Pelicans be rebuilding at that point, those could be very valuable uh, pieces. And maybe a team like Charlotte, who's anxious to blow it up anyway, go ahead, goes ahead and takes that risk. Okay. <laughs> I don't see it, but yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> All right, whatever. I'll, anyway. I'll the, you want me to split the difference there? Yes, sir. Yeah. I would say, like, on on the surface, I would say no. I would agree mostly with Ollie just because of what we're sent, we'd have to send over. We have to send over, like, a guy like Miritich, um, you know, or Solomon Hill. And, uh, and you know the Jensa or whatever, and you're sending over another guy, whether it's Hill or Miritich, that matches what what they have a ton of already on that roster. You know, sort of small four, power forward-ish guys that are making about the same kind of money. Um, but your point is is pretty good, to be, Preston, because what um, could possibly make that work is down the line. You know, those contracts are eventually going to run out for the for the Hornets. They have a bunch of like middling contracts that they can maybe trade or they just have to wait them out. And then you have a bevy of picks, you know, if they have the patience to let those contracts run its course and then get a bunch of picks and totally rebuild the team that way, I could see it happening. But at the same time, I think if they're going to move Kemba, they're going to want something to build towards. And there's going to be other teams that can make a better offer and have young players or current draft picks to make that happen. Um, so I don't think it would happen, but I could see your argument in this, in that sense, Preston. Um, but still, even for the Pelicans perspective, uh, while Kimba's a very good player and I, I like him, I don't think he's what the Pelicans need. I mean, you know, you could stagger two all-stars all the time on the court. There's, you know, positives to make this work and it would be a fun team, but it might only last a year. And I think, it's not the main thing that they need. They could go out and find something better if they're trying to put together a package that could net um, Kimball Walker. So what you're saying is we need a third team to facilitate Solomon Hill and Nico Meritich. And 
maybe some some form of a round robin gets this done. But I'm in agreement with you. I think the Pelicans have enough offense, and I don't think Kemba does enough defensively. Uh, unless you want to go the Houston Rockets route and just try to outscore everybody, then a, a backcourt of Drew Holiday and Kemba Walker with Anthony Davis and uh, Demarcus Cousins in the front court uh, could be something special if if you want to go that route. But I'm I'm like you. I don't particularly like the fit, but uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. And with that, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, that'll do it for now. Check back tomorrow morning for a preview uh, of the Pels matchup with the Grizz. We'll be speaking with Grizzly Bears Blues editor Joe Molinax. Thank you to him for joining us. For now, I'm Preston Ellis. This is the Bird Calls. Ali, do you want to sign off with anything? No, just keep the faith. I know it's hard to say after four straight losses, but the Pelicans aren't dead yet. They can easily right the ship with two wins against subpar competition. And, you know, who knows what the, uh, the guy or the teams around us will do. All right. What about you, Kev? I'll just say um, you just got to keep perspective. Um, you know, as much as I love basketball and I devote most of my life to reading and writing or talking about basketball, it's not the most important thing in the world. So don't get too bent out of shape when it doesn't go the right way. Um, in the grand scheme of things, sports are insignificant, but they're fun distractions. So don't let it ruin your life if it doesn't work out the right way. I can't believe we're all on the same page here. I'm in agreement with both of you. I think it was four hard-fought games against four really good teams, and that being with a with a hampered superstar and a, a second one in Drew Holiday who wasn't playing his best basketball. I think we can definitely expect the Pelicans to get these next two wins and start building some optimism into a game with Golden State in which uh, these three uh, superstars, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green, are probably only going to play somewhere between 30 and 34 minutes. And then it's just going to be up to the Pelicans to beat guys like Zaza Pachulia and Jordan Bell and Swaggy P. And if the Pelicans can manage to get all three of those, hey, who knows what we're talking about one week from now. So keep the faith, keep positive, and let's go Pels. You have been listening to The Bird Calls. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, do us one more favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.